You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Joined alongside my co-host, James Montefusco. Below me and Kyle Russo to the side of me. Gentlemen, good evening. It is midweek Wednesday, and we're all munching on some sweets at the moment because we can. You know, we're busy, gentlemen, but how's it going? Going good, Tom. How are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm enjoying my, uh, I don't know what you call this, uh, Mint chocolate chip yogurt bar. Mm. What do you got, James? I got some uh, 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 Valentine's Day candy. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Kyle? I got my gummy lifesavers. I got some Valentine's Day candy. I got some truffles. Hopefully I don't eat it within the next two hours. All of it, but most of it will be gone. Oh, Happy belated Valentine's Day to everybody who celebrates. And folks, have any comments tonight? Feel free to drop them in the comments section. We're going to recap the big game. We're going to talk about some NBA trade deadline news. We're going to preview the Knicks and the Nets. And we're going to talk about Rangers Islanders. The Rangers had an insane game last night going into the penalty shootout. It took about eight or nine shots until the Rangers finally pulled it out against the Boston Bruins. And we will discuss the Universal DH, Ryan Zimmerman's retirement. Oh, and by the way, Zach Taylor got a contract extension today for appearing in the Super Bowl. So congrats to Zach Taylor on that. And Henry and Dichter saying, what's good, guys, in the comments section? Hank, what is good? Uh, Host of Hitting for the Cycle, co-host of Big Blue Avenue. We just posted a video about an hour ago. Giants added some more assistant coaches and have officially voided the contract of Nate Solder. Nate Solder will not be a New York football giant in 2022. Um, thank goodness. But So sad. It burns. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some more exciting things. Now that we are live on Wednesdays, let's talk about the Super Bowl, guys. Um, we had a Super Bowl kickoff show on Sunday. What did you guys think? Uh you know, I got the score right, just I didn't get the team right. It was uh, a good game, close game. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was one of the better games that we've had in a while, right? The Tampa Bay game last year wasn't so great. The last couple of Super Bowls before that wasn't so great. Last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, I think that was one of the worst Super Bowls I've ever watched. But this one was a good one. I think kind of I think it lived up to the hype. I think everything that we predicted to happen in terms of the dominance of the defense of the Rams and the 
lack of offensive line protection for Joe Burrow was really the storyline of this uh, of this Super Bowl. James, yeah, I mean, the playoffs alone was incredible to watch. To only keep that up to the Super Bowl, usually we've seen in years past where the playoff games are phenomenal and we get either a blowout Super Bowl, a very low scoring Super Bowl game or whatnot, but this actually kept up to the same intensity as those playoff games we saw. So, which was actually entertaining for, I think everybody, it wasn't a defensive match. It wasn't an offensive match. I think it was nice and balanced between both. Yeah. Um, Super Bowls are usually never absurdly high scoring. Um, Walt with a comment. I can tell you were all losing sleep over the fact that Solar won't be a giant next year. Um, look, man, he was a Patriot once as well. I'm sure you're not losing sleep over that either. That's that's where we got him from. So uh, the only two teams to carry Nate Solar on their roster in his entirety of his career. So, Walt, we can share that bond. Really do appreciate you commenting. Make sure to go check out Walt at Down the Block Sports. He has an awesome YouTube channel. Stop eating candy in front of me. It's ice Sorry. cream. Oh, I'm well, eating candy. Uh, yeah, I'm eating a lot of candy. Not it's good. An eating show tonight. You know. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> it's the winter season. It's stock up season. Um, plus, we've been punching out so much content. We don't have time to eat. So. What a better time to eat than during our live shows, right? I mean, not that we're going to make this a routine to eat during our live shows, but um, it is something to monitor throughout the course of, of the year. <laughs> um, but anyway, Rams win Super Bowl 56. They are now 2-3 and three all-time in the Super Bowl. The Bengals are 0-3. Matthew Stafford getting his first Super Bowl ring, three touchdowns, two interceptions in this game. I fought Stafford came to ball out when it mattered the most. Uh, him and Cooper Cup, that duo was just insane. They're going to be great for years to come. They're going to be a dominant force in this NFL. Cooper Cup wins the MVP, scoring two touchdowns, the first player to win Triple Crown, Offensive Player of the Year, and Super Bowl MVP in the same season. The only player to accomplish that feat as well was Jerry Rice, but he didn't do it all in the same season like Cooper Cup did. So, I think evaluating Stafford's performance, he was good. He wasn't perfect. He did throw the two picks, but he showed up when it mattered. Cooper Cup, this guy is absolutely insane. No Robert Woods for half the season. No Odell, who tore his ACL in this game, unfortunately. And the two starting tight ends were out as well. No Tyler Higby and Kendall Blanton dressed, but he didn't play. Yeah, he got hurt. They uh, resorted to a combination of Bryson Hopkins and Ben Skoranek, and you're bringing up Stafford's play. Those two, those two interceptions, I can't blame him so much. Uh, that, the first one that he threw, I, I think the offense as a whole, the building as a whole, was kind of lackluster. That happened probably a minute or two later after Odell had the non-contact injury, and you saw it was just kind of like crumbling at the bridges. And then the next opportunity in which they got the ball, you know, you could tell it's – it's almost this game almost in a sense had the feel of the NCAA championship, uh, Georgia versus Alabama is like you had a monumental loss in that game, Jameson Williams in this game, Odell Beckham Jr. And at least in this game, they were able to uh, overcome those obstacles because you saw, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I thought once Ben Skoranek bounced it off his hands, I thought that was it. You know, the Bengals go down the field, they score a touchdown on that play. 
I think the game is over. We might be talking about a different ball game, but defense held strong. Stafford had a good game. I think it really could have come down to three guys, Donald, him, and, and Cooper Cup, and Cooper Cup, rightfully so. Um, that will go down as one of the best and most clutch drives in Super Bowl history. What do you, what do you have, like five catches on that drive alone, four catches on that drive alone? Yeah. Insane. Oh, absolutely. I thought he had an outstanding game. James, unfortunately, you had to work during the game. Uh-huh. Uh, the, describe that experience. What was that like, missing out on the Super Bowl and scoreboard watch and getting notifications from us on text? So I watched maybe the first four minutes while I was eating dinner. Um, then I was like, I have the NFL app, so I'll put an earbud in and, you know, just monitor the building. Well, the NFL app decided to play games with me and, you know, crash. So I was like, well, there goes that. So between you guys hitting me up with score updates, Nick Tonks was hitting me up with score updates. It, it was good to know what was going on, but the way the game was, it's a game that I just wanted to sit in front of, even if it was in front of my computer. Just watch the whole game. I saw the last 30 seconds when, um, yeah, I walk in. I'm like, oh, the game's like 30 seconds, whatever, you know, like literally the, the last play. And I'm like, oh, this is how it needs to end. Like this just sums up like me watching the game, watch the first five minutes and watch the last 30 seconds. Um, it sucked straight up as such a big football fan. Um, but I appreciate you guys giving me the score updates. Um, but to know how interesting it was, um, I kind of wish it was a blowout only because it'd be like, oh, I'm not going to miss that much. Where this, I missed like Odell, Dar- uh, you know, I missed like everything that happened. You know, I've seen highlights, but it's not the same seeing it live. You know, you missed Odell's touchdown. You missed Kyle punching the air like five minutes into the game. It was crazy. Kyle probably rejoiced I was, when Odell scored that the touchdown. The fact that he got the first touchdown, I was like, Oh ah, man, I just an uh, out of body experience, un, unbelievable feeling for him to score not only a touchdown in the Super Bowl, but for him to score the first one. It was like, and you knew it was going to happen too. They were taking advantage of that defense all day long. And Awuzi went out, if you remember. They, yeah, he went out. A lot of injuries in this game. Awuzi, Odell, um, Blanton, but. Cooper Cup had such an outstanding game, and Hank actually predicted him to win the MVP on our Super Bowl kickoff show. So shout out Hank and Dichter uh, if you're watching. But this guy, he set the record for most postseason receptions in a single season at 33. And he had such a good game. He didn't have 100 receiving yards, but he did have eight, nine catches and the two touchdowns. And the other guy who really stood out was Aaron Donald on the defensive side of the ball, two sacks, three quarterback hits. Did cup deserve MVP or should it have gone to Donald? Um, or were both deserving of this award? I feel like both were deserving of the award, but I would have preferred to have seen Donald got it. Just give a defensive player some love, you know, but you can't really argue with Cooper cup being the MVP either. He did deserve it as well because again you're garnering so much more attention without Odell in the game it was down to him Van Jefferson and Ben Skoranek that was it and even Van Jefferson he was kind of checked out too I don't know if you guys saw it his his wife was carried out on a stretcher she was giving birth during the game she wanted to labor during the game so 
they, they was just it, literally storyline after storyline to come out of this game in L.A. this past Sunday. But I, I see the argument for Donald, and, and I thought Donald had it locked up just because not only did he make the game-winning uh, play, but he made the play before that too. So I thought that he was going to have it locked up. But, you know, with Cooper Cup's performance, eight receptions, 92 yards, and two touchdowns, I mean, and a clutch one too to, to really save the day with, what, four or five receptions on that last drive. It's like how can you argue against it, right? You could argue for both of them, but you can't argue that one is more deserving of the other. Yeah. Um, it was more 1A and 1B for me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. For MVP. Um, who is Bryson Hopkins? Had a real coming out party in this game. The third string tight end behind Higby and Blanton wound up having four catches for 47 yards. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this kid was keeping drives alive because I'm a big Ben Skoranek fan because he did go to Notre Dame, but he was not cutting it. I mean, the middle of the field was open, and with Cooper Cup getting all that outside attention and Jefferson dealing with his issues, somebody else had to step up and be a complimentary piece, and Bryson Hopkins was that guy. He was that chain mover. He was that security blanket for Matt Stafford. So Kyle, just talk about the job that this young tight end did. And nobody, I guarantee you, I'm going to be generous and say 98% of the people watching had no idea who this man was before this game. Exactly. I mean, how could you know? The guy had one catch all year for the team. He had four times that amount in one game in this Super Bowl. And he came up clutch, four receptions for 47 yards. The Rams really embodied that statement of next man up mentality because like you alluded to tom not only did they not have higby in this game with the uh the mcl uh but they didn't have blanton basically all game two i mean he suited up but uh al michaels and collinsworth pointed out that he was just standing on the sidelines for basically the majority of the game so it was really bryson hopkins to really step up as i mean arguably even that number two threat because like i alluded to van jefferson he might have had four catches but for only 23 yards he they, they yeah. really weren't he had eight targets, I believe, so they were targeting him, but they just couldn't get the job done like they were able to get hits to Bryson Hopkins, which, uh, again, was a tremendous help in any which way because of the fact that at that point in time, the only guy left was Cooper Cup to, to really be targeted in any sort of dominant and, and good performance. Hopkins was a Pokemon running away, according to John Rankin. What's up, tight spot? Hope you did well in your uh, pool there for the Super Bowl. Appreciate you have me fill out that spreadsheet. Um, hope you had a lot of fun with the Twitch stream. Uh, what's in the cup? I like it. <laughs> it is uh, ginger ale, diet ginger ale. Three stud, no duds. Love it. Appreciate like you, tight spot. Make sure to go follow him on Twitch, and Twitter does a lot of great streaming. I don't have Twitch personally, but um, he does a lot of good videos on there, and make sure to check him out on Twitter as well. Always giving out his takes. Von Miller, two sacks, three quarterback hits, now a two-time Super Bowl champion. Again, this was a super team assembled. The the Rams traded for Von Miller during the season, and the three guys that we were most worried about the Bengals being able to block were the three guys who caused the most problems, and Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller. This guy's been around the block a few times. Jonah Williams couldn't keep it up. 
Jackson Carmen ended up not playing. So the right guard who filled in his place, Adenji, was horrendous. I've never seen a worse performance coming out from a guard. Aaron Donald sandwiched him so many damn times. Isaiah Prince not living up to his name that much. <laughs> um, you know, he made me cringe. That Bengals offensive line is the worst offensive line in the National Football League, ladies and gentlemen, and they played in the Super Bowl. They played yep. in the Super Bowl. Yep. Just uh, it's, it's, it's unreal, the story in which they had. And what's even crazier about it is that watching the first half, the offensive line was actually, like, pretty good. I think they only got to the quarterback once or twice. It was when they came out in halftime, and then they just <laughs> – it was just a revolving door of, of letting, oh, who's going to hit Joe Burrow now? <laughs> I think it was like five or, or six sacks. I know there was a total of seven sacks in this game. It was either five or six sacks in the second half. Just absolutely zero protection whatsoever for Joe Burrow really to get anything going, with the exception of maybe the first 12 seconds of the second half where they hit T. Higgins down the field for a 75-yard touchdown, which um, also would have stirred some controversy if it would have went the Bengals' way. Uh, but for the Rams' sake, not the case. Seven sacks. Ernest Jones, Ashawn Robinson. Fonz joked about him winning MVP on the pre-show. Andrew Whitworth had a great game, too. He will likely retire. And then Eric Weddle played the game with a torn peck, announced mm-hmm. he's going to re-retire. So the Rams are probably losing both Weddle and Whitworth to retirement. The question is, will Aaron Donald retire? That's the big question. He's only been in the league since 2014, but – um, you know, he's approaching 30 now, and defensive linemen don't seem to last as long as they used to, guys. Um, you know, what do you think of this rumor? I mean, if you watch the parade today, he said, uh, he said, you know, if we could run it back, let's run it back. Now, obviously, that's just in the hype. We don't know if that's actually going to happen or not, but mm. I don't know. It's really dependent upon how he feels, because what more essentially can he accomplish? We've had this discussion over text um, and a little bit on the phone is that. If you're looking at all-time defensive grades, LT is is number one. I don't I don't know if that's so much a debate. I think Aaron Donald came is coming closer and closer and closer. But Aaron Donald's number two. He, he's got to be number two. I, I don't care what anybody says. I, I know he may not be up there in the sack rankings, but that's because he's an interior defensive lineman. He's still putting up tremendous sack numbers. If you look career wise, just having twelve and a half sacks this year as an interior defensive lineman. Then you break it down. I mean, even if you watched. If the only game of Aaron Donald's entire career was this Super Bowl and you watched it in its entirety, you cannot tell me that he's not one of the greatest defensive players of all time when you're talking about three 300-plus pound offensive linemen being lined up against him and that's still not enough to cover him, and he's still getting to the quarterback somehow. I mean, that just speaks volumes. When have you ever seen that with any other football player ever? It's unheard of. It's unheard of. Forget about even the fact that he was able to get through the linemen. It's the fact that linemen and teams fear him so much that they have to put that many linemen on him. It's 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 mind-boggling. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. The, the Bengals, they doubled him over 50% of their <laughs> offensive snaps in this game, and they didn't have that many offensive snaps, not to mention Joe Burrow – sprained his MCL in the game and continued to play with that. People are like, well, why isn't he running? Why isn't he extending plays? He was taking sacks because he was hurt. He wasn't trying to lose his team the game. 
you got to give him a lot of credit for uh, fighting it out there for his football team. But, you know, it's a real shame that Burrow got hurt. I don't know if it would have changed the result or not because Walt brings up a really good comment about Eli Apple here looking like a third grader covering a receiver for the first time on that final touchdown. And I love this comment, but we can't sit here and blame Lou Anarumo for having Eli Apple matched up against Cooper Cup. You can make the argument, well, maybe there should have been safety help in the red zone. Um, Lou Anarumo had no other options. He had no other options. He held the Rams offense to 16 points for three and a half quarters. Now, granted, they were without a lot of weapons, but their O-line was still good. They have three solid running backs on their roster. They have an elite quarterback in Matthew Stafford and the best receiver the game has right now. I mean, I'm not blaming Lou Anarumo for Eli Apple playing like French toast throughout the course of this game. I disagree entirely with that. I disagree entirely. Entirely. Because you're talking about the run game for the Rams. There was no run game for the Rams. In fact, it was the lowest amount of rushing yards in a Super Bowl for a team that actually won the game in Super Bowl history. That wasn't the point. No, I got got the point. I'm saying that when we break down the the second – when we break down the secondary, you're getting everything right. How is it that you're putting your your worst corner on the only number one on the entire field? Forget about receiver, the only number one on the entire field. When you got guys like Jesse Bates in the secondary, call him for some coverage. You got guys like Logan Wilson playing almost every position on the field, almost in every single play. How are you not sending double coverage to him? Why are you letting Eli Apple fend one-on-one on the guy that just caught five-plus balls on the same drive against Eli Apple. And then not only do you only send one man to cover Cooper Cup and that being Eli Apple, but then you don't even turn around as the corner as the cornerback to look at where the ball is coming from. You're just facing Cooper Cup and saying, let me throw my hands up and hopefully I hit it away. Didn't even turn around to see where the ball is. That's that's a grave mistake. I know people are talking about the Logan Wilson PI that wasn't a PI. Bengals got a free touchdown earlier in the game with that T. Higgins one, but Eli Apple got toasted not only once, but twice in this game. And you put him on one-on-one coverage with Cooper Cup to win the game? That is a mistake every day, all day. And that's going to be something that they look at. You know, I mean, listen, you're going to see this free agency. He's a free agent. You think he's going to be back with the team? Probably not. I still think Anarumo called a good game. He called a good game. He called a good game. but We can't entirely force the blame on him, though. No, I'm not not blaming him. There was, was, listen, you want to put blame anywhere, put it on the offensive line that uh, tied all-time with Roger Starback, allowing the most sacks all-time in a Super Bowl. That's that's full throttle, 95% of the blame. But you know that this guy is getting toasted every single time. And on the final play of the drive, you send him man-on-man coverage, and this guy doesn't even turn around to see where the ball is? Like, come on, man. Come on. You can't tell me that's a good play call. Well, there were – the refs weren't great in this game, but it went both ways. The T. Higgins touchdown, clear face mask on Jalen Ramsey. The Logan Wilson uh, pass interference was bullshit. And then – they missed one where T. Higgins likely would have had a touchdown in the end zone, and they were holding him. So there were plays that, and Cooper Cup was getting mauled late in the game. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, the, the the Bengals were just asking to lose on on that drive. But I mean, what more 
could you do for Joe Burrow to lose this game? I, I mean, you know, Joe Mixon had a good game. I, I like the play call Zach Taylor made, the Joe Mixon touchdown pass. I thought that was a good call to Higgins. Yeah. Um, other than that 75-yard touchdown to start the half, there was no offense really from Cincinnati. You know, it was the defense. You saw Logan Wilson in the backfield eating people up. That was great to see. Sam Hubbard as well, two tackles for loss, eight tackles on the game. Kyle, you mentioned this on the kickoff show. Sam Hubbard, probably the most underrated player on that Bengals defense with seven and a half sacks. Nobody talks about him. And yeah, no, yeah. Nobody talks about it because of guys like Trey Hendrickson on the line. I know DJ Reader had a sack in this game. BJ Hill. DJ Hill, man. Tackles in this game, quarterback hits. They got it. They they played everybody hyped up the the Rams defense and rightfully so, but that that front four, that front seven for the, for the Bengals played a hell of a game too. Again, they may not have locked up seven sacks, but they played a great game. Yeah. Hendrickson had the first sack of the game. I hit on that. I picked him to get the first sack of the game, and I was happy about that. Um, I was very happy about that. Walt with a comment here. The NFC Championship made no sense, too. They blitzed the corner who covered Cup, and the safety was on his heels in seconds and blew it. Oh, we're talking about the 49ers game? Uh, Is that what he's referring to? I think he might be talking about the Tampa game. Where he's uh, where Antoine no. Winfield, you're just watching him chase Cooper Cup for that. Is he talking about it? Tart? Might be talking about Tart. I'm not sure. On the winning touchdown, yeah, Bucks. Bucks. Yeah. Bucks. yeah, yeah, He's talking about the uh, the Antoine Winfield. He's chasing him in the backfield for for, for like a 60 yard gain or something. I like hate to say this: the Rams deserve to win the Super Bowl, but if that play to Cup doesn't happen, the Bucks are winning that game, 100. Yeah. yeah, Brady was invincible. In the second half, you couldn't touch them. I mean, granted, he didn't have a great first half, but he had nothing to work with. He had nothing to work with, and his offensive line was hurt. Tristan Wirfs was hurt. Uh, Ryan Jensen was dealing with an injury. No Chris Godwin. Leonard Fournette, not 100%. Yep. Mike Evans was dealing with a hamstring the week prior. Antonio Brown walked off the field and didn't come back. Yep, it's 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 crazy to think about, but there's stories to come out of each and every one of these games, and that's how the story will be told upon the Super Bowl is, is what could have been. You know, think about it like this, right? Uh, I mean, obviously we're talking about a team that just won the Super Bowl, but yeah. what would have happened if Brady would have, you know, made it to another Super Bowl and he would have won? Would he have retired on top like everybody wanted to envision? Would he have lost and still came back? Who knows? Well, people are saying he might take a year or two off and then come back. I don't like think he, he's even going to take that off. I think he's coming back in the offseason. See, I'm still not sold on this Brady retiring thing. I know he's made it official, but how long is it going to be official? How long till he changes his mind? Maybe, you know, he has personal stuff going on right now and he doesn't want to go through the offseason stuff or whatever it might be. That's probably not it, and that's likely not it, but you don't know with Tom Brady, right? And – I get it. A lot of people were annoyed leading up to this game. All the hype. Oh, Joe Burrow's the next Tom Brady. Stop. Stop. Do not compare any quarterback in his second year to Tom Brady. They did it. These same people did it with Patrick Mahomes a couple years ago, and it pissed me off. And this is nothing against these young quarterbacks. 
None of them are Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, next Tom Brady. Stop. And I get it because Rob Gronkowski said, oh, if I could play with any young quarterback in football, it would be Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow probably plays the most similar to Tom Brady, that he's a pocket passer that doesn't move. He's composed. He's composed, mm-hmm. and he's Joe Cool. Yep. And, and to be quite honest with you in this game, which not a lot of people are talking about, which I think they should be, is as much as I was rooting for the Rams to win this game, Again, if it was for the Cincinnati Bengals having a semblance of not the worst offensive line I've ever seen, they probably would have won this game. Oh, yeah. They, oh, they mm-hmm. probably would have won this game because Joe Burrow had a, had a pretty good game himself for, for a second-year player in the Super Bowl, 263 yards and a touchdown, had a decent completion percentage over, uh, I think, above 60%, something like that. His passer rating was higher. Yeah, he played a great game. He played a great game, and if it was for his offensive line, which people – saw in the beginning of the season and they knew in the off season was that that was going to be the downfall of this team is that again, while we talk about the dominance of this offense and rightfully so, because I think it's going to be around for years. What we saw last year in the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes is that you could be the greatest quarterback in the league. If you don't have any protection, you're done. And that's the same thing that happened in this game. Otherwise I honestly think that the Bengals would have yeah. won this game. The fact that it took a, a touchdown, with less than two minutes left by the Rams to to catch themselves up on a lead because of how poor this offensive line was for the Bengals just shows the the lengths and measures to how bad and how impactful it was in determining the outcome of the game. Yeah. Um and James, you really would have enjoyed this game. But it was we, a great game. Yeah, I know. It's, it's all right. I, I heard the same song seventeen times and hear that my my uh, child is the best dancer in the competition that everybody else thinks. And then hearing that uh, somebody can easily get 10th place in a dance competition. And I'm like, you went on for 10th place at that point. It's like, yeah. Okay. Well, I That's mean, what I heard. Um, I did not hear any, not even any of the dads at the game was talking about the game. Not, no, no dribs and drabs, you know, nothing. And I'm like, hello? Yeah, I feel you. Um, I a lot of streaks continued in this game. Kyle, you brought up one. The winner of the coin toss has lost the last eight Super Bowls. Cardinal sin for losing. Um, oh, and we didn't even mention this. Speaking of tail of the tape, the Bengals won the turnover battle. They didn't commit a single turnover. Rams committed two, and they and they still lost. They still lost. The Bengals led majority of this game. And that's why I picked them because I just thought Joe Burrow was going to find a way to win this game. But he was dealing with an injury. The line was porous. Line was atrocious. Yeah. That was bad. They got around $56 million in cap space this year. Every one of those things needs to be offense, offensive line, and a new corner. And then a new corner. Nate What's Solder's the on the time? market. What's up? Nate Solder's on the market. James. <laughs> Bengals have made a lot of mistakes with their offensive line. They signed Bobby Hart after the Giants released him. But Zach Taylor today agreed to a contract extension that will make him the coach of the Bengals through the year of 2026. Now, will the Bengals be back? Because a lot of people have criticized their front office saying that you know, they hit on the Burrow pick. Burrow had some influence on the Chase pick. Otherwise, they were going with Penny Suell, which I don't – I mean, I agree with it, but I don't know if I'm buying it fully. 
can they be back? Because now the AFC, you have all these young quarterbacks. You have Herbert, you have Mahomes, you have Allen, have Joe Burrow. There's a lot to be said about the young talent. You could even throw Mac Jones and the Patriots in there. You know, yeah. they have they have the best head coach of this generation. Like, what's to give? Will the Bengals be back, or was this a get lucky type of run? It's hard to tell, right? Because in a lot of these games in which they played in the playoffs alone, they were not only the underdog, but they were fighting for the lead every minute of the game. Like, they, they don't even make it past, you know, starting off with the Raiders game, right? The, the call where the refs called an inadvertent timeout. And by rule, that should have been called back a race of touchdown. And we might be, we're not even talking about the, the Bengals in the Super Bowl if that gets called back. Then you fast forward to the Titans game. If it's not for an atrocity of a quarterback performance by Ryan Tannehill, they don't make it out of that game either because they only put up 16 points until Evan McPherson hit, what, like a 50-yard field goal to win it? And then you look at the Chiefs game. Uh, I said this last week or two weeks ago. How many people thought that game was over after the first 15, 25 minutes of the game because Patrick Mahomes was absolutely lighting them up? Mm-hmm. I, 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 would, I would think a lot of people. But if it wasn't for them coming out the way they did in the second half, all nonchalant and, and playing porous and not playing 100 miles per hour, they probably wouldn't have won that game too. And mm-hmm. that's nothing to take away from this Bengals run because they made it all the way here. And, and I'm the one that just said if they had a semblance of just a okay offensive line, I think they would have won the game. I think they would have won the Super Bowl. But listen, will they be back? Yeah. Because I have so much confidence in, in Joe Burrow. Because that combination between him and Jamar Chase is real. Because Joe Mixon has proven to probably be the most underrated running back in all of football. Think about this. Look at the production that you get at Joe Mixon, and he has the worst offensive line to run behind. Isn't that crazy? I mean, and you mm-hmm. saw in the Super Bowl, with such a terrible offensive line, the guy still managed to find holes in the line to run through and gain 10-plus yards on a play. And yep. then not only doing that, but then throwing a touchdown, being a dual threat. In a, whether it's a trick player or, or whether it's just playing rushing, because I know that he had 15 rushes for 72 yards in this game, which is also great. T. Higgins yeah. is fantastic. Tyler Boyd, you know, he has that he has that drop, which is bad. Probably could have been a first down, and you know, maybe a different outcome for this Bengals team. Probably would have put them in field goal position, but he drops the ball uh, on that last drive. But they have a lot of good young talent. The defense is going to be sticking around for a long time. They have all the money in the world to improve upon the holes in which they have. Zach Taylor has proven himself to be a great coach, and hence the extension in which he's been given. But like you alluded to, Tom, there's a lot of great teams in the AFC to worry about, right? What are the Baltimore Ravens going to be next year now that they will have health and, and hopefully not another season from hell? What are the um, – what are the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills going to be? What is the second year of Mac Jones going to be? What are the Chargers going to be? Uh, or was this Raiders season a fluke, or are they for real? Do the Indianapolis Colts get an upgrade at the quarterback position? Because I think if they do that, they might be one of the best teams, not only in the AFC, but one of the best teams in football. Mm-hmm. There's a lot yet to uncover, and we'll see what happens over the course of this next month or so when free agency does uh, progress and when the draft does progress. But they earn themselves the right to say that they're here and they're a serious contender for years and years to come. Yep. James, you were the only ones to pick the Bengals against the Chiefs. 
You picked yep. them in the Super Bowl. I know you never officially gave your final score, but I know you, you did predict the Bengals to win as well on last week's show. But it was a great run for Cincinnati. I, I'm proud of what they did, and best of luck next year because that AFC North is a very, very difficult division for sure. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kyle pointed out if they have a better offensive line, even if Joe Burrow had another, what, you say five seconds at the end of the game? Burrow had an on average 2.4 seconds to throw. Yeah, so if he had another 2.4 seconds to throw, Jalen Ramsey was on the ground and his wide receiver's wide open, if at least from what I saw. So. The Bengals have the Giants' offensive line from 2020. They, they, they win this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're talking. We're talking about Thomas Lemieux, Gates, Hernandez, and Ken Fleming. Yeah, that that offensive line could win the Bengals this game. Yep, helps the Bengals win the game. Absolutely, absolutely. And then it comes down to play calling too, right? You know, Sean McVay. He said it in his in his Super Bowl pressers was that you know it was a learning experience. He learned you know how to be poised, be composed, learning how to adjust, and that's all about what this game was. You look at that final run by the Bengals in that last drive, another thing that people aren't talking about, Joe Mixon had such a great game rushing the ball, yet they had Samaji Pirine out there running the ball in that last drive. Yep. Where's Joe Mixon? Where, like, what, what happened? 15 rushes, 72 yards? Why isn't he out there? Mm. It's all learning experience. 100%. And congrats to McVay. He's now the youngest coach ever to win a Super Bowl, yep. even younger than Mike Tomlin. So congratulations to Sean McVay. He's still the youngest coach in football as well. That's crazy. Even with O'Connell taking the Vikings job today out in Minnesota, who I love as well. I thought he'd call a good game. Um, McVay is younger than O'Connell. He's 36, right? Something like that. They're both 36, yeah. Yeah. Minnesota's got an offensive guru coming, and that's why I said double down. Anyway, (laughs) I'm going to flirt. I'm going to – Switch gears here. (laughs) So every year you're watching the Super Bowl and it's almost impossible to get up from your seat because of the commercials, right? James, I don't know if you caught any of them or if you caught any on rerun, but Kyle, what was your favorite commercial of the Super Bowl? Uh, I really like the Larry David one. One of my... One of my favorite ones was just because I'm such a big fan of the two of them was the Lay's commercial with Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd. That was oh, that was a yeah. really funny one. I really enjoyed that one. And then of course the uh, the avocados commercial. Those, those they always make good commercials come Super Bowl, but those are probably my top three at least memorable ones that I enjoyed. Those are all good picks. I liked all those two. The one I'm going to go with is the Chevy commercial with the Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a big one, yep. too. That's a big one, that too. That was good. Yeah, people love that. That was uh, – I'm watching <laughs> the game with my mom and my dad. They pointed that out. They're like, oh, my God, the Sopranos. I was like, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Making inarticulate Italian noises in the background. <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, I saw that one. Um, and then the yeah. one that I liked was the baby one. The one what, that was the, I saw, what was the brand? What was the what were was they advertising? The, it was the it was the baby at like at like a farm, and they go on the helicopter, 
Oh, yeah yeah, 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 That one. That was that's pretty fun. That's the only two I saw on reruns. Kyle, now that I think of it, when you may, mentioned Paul Rudd, wasn't Lindsay Lohan in that one, too? And Guy No, Fieri? Lindsay Lohan was in a uh, – no, those were two separate commercials. Lindsay oh, okay. Lohan, I think, did a, a Planet Fitness one, and Guy Fieri, I forgot what he did, but that was also a funny one. <laughs> he just had like a million people dressed up like yeah. Guy Fieri. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Uh any final thoughts on the Super Bowl? Uh, I'm getting withdrawals from the NFL season, even though it was, it was a terrible one for us as Giants fans. I think we took a lot away from this season. The, the coaches are getting younger. The game is getting younger. Uh, we saw two explosive offensive teams in the in the playoffs. And um, overall, just a tremendous NFL season. This was kind of a parody year for the NFL. One. It was a good one. I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, you wake up Monday morning, you're like, ah, man, got to wait another six months for this enjoyment again, six, seven months for this enjoyment again. Well, that's why we got the NFL draft coming up in a little over two months. So yeah, really excited for that. It's going to be a big buildup. We're like eight, nine weeks out. We're, we're going to build that up big here. But let's move on to some NBA talk. Um, I know Kyle's getting excited. I'm getting excited as well because a big trade went down. James Harden to Philadelphia, Ben Simmons to Brooklyn, and the two probably bypassed each other on the Jersey Turnpike um, <laughs> on their way. Um, I don't know. I know Simmons won't be playing for a while, uh, but I don't think Harden's made his Philly debut yet, correct, no, Kyle? No, and he's he's not going to make it for a while either. At least I know he's out. Um uh, from all-star weekend so he's not gonna be back probably till the end of february but uh um, i hate grading trades though like i i just have trouble doing it like this soon you know because you really don't know well i think i think what this trade more than ever is that when we say we don't know it's it's literally because we don't know right the, yeah. the main the main piece in this is a guy that hasn't played basketball in a year so the, we truly don't know what the brooklyn nets are getting but Again, I've never – the only times in which I've knocked Ben Simmons and his play is just because of the fact that, you know, when you hear players talk about building upon their craft and you hear teammates of him saying that he, he was never a guy that worked in the offseason, never looked to improve upon that jump shot and never really lived up to the hype of a number one overall pick. The defense is so elite that he brings to the table. That's why he fits so well on this team. He didn't fit well in Philly because – you can't have your second-best player be a guy that has no offensive game, especially when your best player is a center who has an injury history and, and playing 40-plus minutes a night, even though he's having an MVP caliber season. He'd be my MVP to pick it right now. Mm-hmm. He can't be doing that every single night as a big man in this league. You have to have some help. But on Brooklyn, you bring that in with, with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you don't need scoring from Ben. Let him give you 10, uh, 10 12 points a night. He brings that defense. Because everybody likes to Absolutely. talk about the hard, yeah. Everybody likes to talk about the Harden trade, the original one from Houston to Brooklyn. And as soon as that trade happened, all I heard from Brooklyn fans, and this was the biggest key, and we saw that in his uh, in his new uniform in his new city, is that the piece that everybody hated that they gave up on was was not the picks. They didn't hate the seven first round picks. They didn't hate giving up on Karis Levert. They hated giving up on Jared Allen. And we're seeing now, right? He's now replacing James Harden in the All-Star game, and he's having an All-Star-like season. He got a $100 million contract this offseason, and now with the 
tandem, the duo of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen in the, in the front court, that might be one of the most dominant front courts in the entire NBA. Hence the fact that the Cleveland Cavaliers are now what third or fourth in the Eastern conference right now. They're, they're up there. They're a hell of a young team, but mm-hmm. with Brooklyn, they give up on Jared Allen. They're going to kill you offensively, which they did. They were 13 and three. Uh, only played 16 games together. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. What what could have been is what the story will be. But they were killing teams offensively, but defensively they had nothing. Now you add a Andre Drummond who is a walking double-double, can get you boards, which is huge as well because Kevin Durant, if you watched in the beginning of the season, they were they were just leaving everything up to him. He was supposed to be the yeah. ball handler, the the scorer, the rebounder, everybody, everything. He doesn't have to do that now with Andre Drummond. And then you bring in Seth Curry as well, who's a nice 3 and D player, a career 41-42% three-point shooter, had a tremendous debut the other night against the Sacramento Kings on Monday. And then you pair that with a Ben Simmons potentially in a starting lineup. Are the Brooklyn Nets better? Maybe. Maybe. Because you have your two scoring options, and now you have a defense, which you didn't have last year. Because if they had this team last year, there's an argument to be said that maybe they would be standing here as champions today because defensively they are loaded, offensively they are set, and now they have that depth that everybody was talking about that they didn't have, now adding a Seth Curry, now not having to worry about Joe Harris and his potential return, Patty Mills potentially off the bench, Blake Griffin off the bench instead of those guys being starters in the lineup. So I think they, I think they, I don't want to say they won the trade because the team that gets the best player usually always wins the trade because James Harden, don't get it wrong, He's one of the best players of all time, one of the best shooters of all time. And that's going to be the crazy, crazy backcourt, him and Tyrese Maxey and then Joel Embiid there. It's yeah. going to be nuts. But when all is said and done, it's probably going to be those teams facing off against each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. And if I'm picking somebody, I'm picking the team that's set on both sides. Take it easy. Take I know. It I, show, some got, love to, got, show, got, show some love. Show some love to the Bucs. Right, listen, I'm a Heat I'll show fan. some love to the Heat. I, listen, I want to, I want to, I want to root for my Heat. I really do. But with a trade like this, if again, a lot of implications, if Ben Simmons is that defensive player that he left off as, I think that they are going to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference and probably reach the Eastern Conference Finals. It's a big if, but I think that that's the case. Let me tell you my opinion on why Harden wanted out of Brooklyn. He wanted to play ISO ball. He didn't want to play basketball. Brooklyn wanted to play basketball. They wanted to spread the ball around, right? They they wanted balanced scoring. Harden known, wanted though. the ball. That's known ball though. Himself, and that that's been well known for a while. Is Philly going to let him do that with Joel Embiid? I don't know. But looking at what Brooklyn got, they were in danger of doing what they did a decade ago. They made that trade of death with the Celtics oh, yeah. for Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. And then they were the worst bottom two, bottom three team in the NBA for like five, six years. Now that's not going to happen, right? Because you have to pay these superstars all this money and you don't have enough money to allocate resources to the rest of your team. Now, you mentioned Ben Simmons fits that mold better. He doesn't need to score 25, 30 points a game. It allows Kyrie Irving when he's able to play and then Kevin Durant to be the catalyst scoring-wise. And I like Andre Drummond at the center position. And I do agree, Jared Allen should still be the starting center on this Brooklyn team. They they messed up when they traded him away. They definitely messed up. They lost a big front court piece. 
Joe Harris out. Uh, I don't think I don't know if they get to the Eastern Conference Final. But I mean, they're they're good, but can it's they a big, beat? It's Philly? a big if. It's a big if. Defensively, I think they are a team that can stop Philly. My biggest question would be is just Kyrie's availability. If you can yeah. tell me today that Kyrie Irving will play every game for the rest of the season, which we know is, is not the case, but things may change. We don't know. Things are, yeah. things are slowly changing day by day in New York. Who's to say that that may not be the case come May and June? Because I think that come May and June, we're still going to be talking about the Brooklyn Nets in playoff contention at that point in time, competing in the playoffs. But if he's able to play every single game in each round, I think that's the team to watch out for. I think the only thing that's telling me otherwise is that I don't like the matchup of Joel Embiid versus Andre Drummond. I don't like it. Other than that, I like their scoring capabilities better in Brooklyn. I like their defense better. I like their depth better because that was something that Philly gave up. They don't have any more depth. I mean, we'll see what happens with the buyout market, but they don't have any depth right now which is huge considering that two of their best players have become injury-prone players throughout the course of their careers. So we'll see what happens. Again, there's no loser in this trade, but I think that if there was a trade to be done, I think that Brooklyn got a, a hell of a deal done. I think they did a good job. Well, they're down early to the Knicks right now, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But a trade that I'm disappointed about, not really disappointed, but – the Bucks gave up DiVincenzo in a four-team deal to get Serge Ibaka. And I'm fine with Ibaka. I think he was needed because of Brooke Lopez and his back issues. He's probably not going to play the entire year. And I think just going out and, you know, we tried Boogie. We tried Luke Cornett. It didn't really work out. Um, they need depth behind Bobby Portis. You can't trust Sandro Mamushkavali in the playoffs to give you 10 to 15. <laughs> James. Did like, that roll off your just tongue, like, yeah, like, Tom, like That just rolled shit. off your tongue like you've been watching it throughout his entire career. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, man, like I'm a Bucks fan, so like I, I know who's on my team. But Sorry. The, the problem, I, I guess it wasn't trading DiVincenzo away, but you lost backcourt depth, and then Pat Connaughton breaks his hand the same day that hurts. of the trade, and you're not going to get him back till the end of the regular season. So now you're stuck with Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, and Wesley Matthews as your top three backcourt players. You also dealt away Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale. Thank God Ojale is off the team. But George Hill's hurt. They just brought in DeAndre Bembry. I hope to God they sign Goran Dragic because they need a backup point guard. Bad. Like really, really bad, and he's the best player available. Kyle could attest for that. I love Goran Dragic. I love Goran Dragic. If there was a, if there was a spot for him on the Heat, which is still yet to be known, because they could use some backup point guard depth behind Kyle Lowry, even though Gabe Vincent's been pretty nice, I would love him back on the Heat, and I know he'd love to be back too because he never wanted to leave. Yeah. But uh, that's a guy to look out for: Gary Harris potentially if he gets bought out, maybe an Eric Gordon potentially if he gets bought out. There's some names yet to be uh, uh, again, even though the trade deadline just ended last Thursday. There's some names yet that uh, to be bought out that I think that we're going to see be bought out, and and the Bucks will expectedly, at least I expect, to be very active because of the fact that, like you alluded to, Tom, they don't have that depth right now. They don't. 
No. So we have two roster spots open still. Bembry filled one of the three. So we have two left. One of them has to be a point guard. That's all I'm saying. Definitely. Definitely. John Matthew Stafford has entered the building. Good evening, Noah Dibler. Uh, Hope you're doing well. Just missed our football discussion because now we're talking hoops, unfortunately. But um, what a, what do, a la- what a last two months for Georgia football for Noah. What a last two months. Been great for him, man. Congratulations. Yeah, uh, Noah, big Bulldogs fan. Watched Stafford in Detroit all those years that he was losing, and now, you know, Stafford's a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> Why? Because he played for the Atlanta Hawks and sucked. Is that why? I mean, we we just need a body to fill the bench. Now I I don't think he's going to play quality minutes come playoff time. I'm not really worried about that. Uh, we have Jordan Nuwara, who is better than him, in my opinion. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if the Rams could repeat Noah. Uh, you know, I think if they draft more University of Georgia players in the 2022 NFL draft, it'll definitely help them out. In fact, I hope the Giants draft some Georgia players this draft. You got Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt. Um, you got Channing Tindall. You got Lewis Sign. I mean, you got a lot of guys. You got a lot of Georgia. Adam Anderson. You got a lot of Georgia Bulldogs entering this draft. And I know those are, <laughs> he's about to start hitting that keyboard away in that comment section with some more Georgia comments. But before I digress too far, let's get back to the Nets at Knicks game happening tonight. Already started. The Nets are 30 and 27. They snapped their 11 game losing streak on Monday night in Seth Curry's Brooklyn debut. He had 23 points, seven boards and five assists. Andre Drummond in his Nets debut had 11 points, Nine rebounds and four assists. Um, wow, what's so funny? You know what? We're not As bums. We, no. We're, we are not bums. <laughs> Excuse Tom. I uh, he he does something it's coming off now. You All asked right. for. We'll do this and then we'll add him back once. Uh, you know, once he takes off that Giants apparel. Did. Yeah, un- get himself that Notre Dame Fighting Irish sweater. Resituated real quick. Resituated. Here we go. He's, he's back. He's back. Oh, no, I get to sit on the bottom. Hold on. The watch this. No, watch this. <laughs> Magic. Oh, wow. Look at you, Mr. Yeah. Producer. Got to do what I, I got to do you for the, I should call you the clicker. Notre Dame <laughs> bums, as in we have a safety who's about to be a top four draft pick this year. Hell no. Hell no. We had four offensive linemen go in the first three rounds last year. Your best offensive lineman last year was Ben Cleveland. Boom. Roasted. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Dibler. This is going to be a conversation of the entire night. Oh, man. Notre Dame, Georgia. It's like – I don't know. It's like 1A and – 2B, if we're really talking about it here. So let's continue. Yeah. The Knicks fell to the Thunder in overtime on Monday night, ruining Fonz DeFalco's Valentine's Day present. 
Oh, that's uh, not fun. As he got to watch Josh Giddy, the youngest player in NBA history to record two straight triple doubles. Josh Giddy had 28 points, 11 rebounds, 12 assists. Kyle Russo, who is Josh Giddy? Josh Giddy is a talent that was drafted, what, with like the fifth or sixth overall pick in this year's draft out of Australia. And what was known about his game is that he is a terrific rebounder, terrific passer, hence the assist game, and a great all-around player just lacking a shot. And he didn't show that in this Knicks game, but uh, by his season statistics, shooting 41% from the field, which is nice, 70% from free throw could be a little better, and 26% from the three-point line, which also can be better as a rookie to be putting up these numbers the way he's putting them up on a – on a team that really has no supporting cast whatsoever, especially now that Shai Gilligas Alexander has been out since the month of January. He, he's, he's, he's living up to that fifth or sixth overall selection in this year's draft. He's, he's played a tremendous role in the wins in which the Oklahoma city thunder have had this year. And in their game plan for the future, it's a really, really talented player. Who's a little bit away from, from becoming one of the best players. I don't want to say one of the best players, but one of the, better young players in the game if he develops that shot a little bit which we know with time as we know what a lot of nba players comes sorry i'm getting distracted by the comments section but i do like josh giddy a lot i i do think that he'll be a triple double machine as he gets older i still think he's getting his feet wet uh he's what's just he scratching what's up what's he 18 19 19 Young kid, James. Think about what we were doing at 19, right? Uh, uh, Sitting in class trying to learn how to speak Spanish. Uh, (laughs) That we were. That That we we were. (laughs) We did did not do a very good job in that class. (laughs) It turned into more bullshitting about how pathetic the Mets were following their World Series defeat to Kansas City. (laughs) That's what that class was about. Um, And then we took Italian. That, That was another... That was shit show. Yeah. Um, life is a carnival. Yeah. <laughs> Good memories, though. Rocco was, was it Rocco was, uh, Rocco was the Rocco Italian and, professor. And Charles. Charles, yep. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't like, like those classes. Yeah. But I met I met you in those classes. So we did. Yeah. That, we that was the one good part about taking those classes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. I love Noah. He's so funny. Big Dead. Look, I don't mind hate for the Mets. I mean, everyone continues to say, and again, I don't know when baseball is going to start, but everyone continues to itch, moan, and groan. It's the Mets year. It's the Mets year. It's never going to be the Mets year. This is just how society is. The Mets are never good. I mean, I don't understand why people can't ingrain this into their minds. Something goes wrong with this team every year. They signed the best shortstop in baseball last offseason, and it slapped them in the face. He hit 230, and I had to explain to a couple of guys from Corona who were drunk at a baseball game (laughs) why Lindor sucks. (laughs) It was like talking to a wall, trying to explain why Lindor sucks. This transition from the AL to the NL. Uh, and he could he couldn't do it. At least Baez could hit the damn ball, and he's gone. So the Mets keep the worst of the two. Well, Baez was a high strikeout player, but listen, Lindor's got another twelve years left on the contract right to prove himself to the Mets. 
He's got another 12 seasons left with the Mets, Tom. He'll prove himself. Well, we'll talk baseball later. Let's get back I know. to Look, basketball. Thank you, James. Yeah, yeah no problem. Me, that'll, that'll, that'll put me at 38 years old. I'm going to have to watch Lindor as a Met till I'm 38 years old. Oh, no. He signed up to a 10-year deal. It was a 10-year so deal. Was... All right. Ten. Okay. Ten. So I'll be 30. I'll be 36, 35. I don't know. Whatever. That's that's too old to deal with Lindor. Um, I'm already going gray to to begin with, so the hair will continue to get grayer. But uh, all right. The Knicks and Nets. Yes. Right now, the Knicks are ahead 24 to 13. Knicks are looking to end a two-game skid as – they host <laughs> as as they host the Brooklyn Nets. Right now they're ahead 24-13, and it's a very impressive game so far. I've got to say I'm impressed with, with what the Knicks have been able to do. Quinton Grimes out of West Virginia, three for three from the field with two threes. Julius Randle as well with eight points, two three-pointers himself. And then Evan Fournier, Kev- Kemba Walker producing a little bit right now. That's good stuff. Um, you know, they got Obi Toppin and Cam Reddish, Emmanuel quickly off the bench, Alec Burks as well. I mean, they just got Archie Diacono on a 10-day deal a little while back. So, I mean, yeah, they're a well-balanced team, but they still managed to be eight games under 500. And you have a Brooklyn lineup that's producing a bunch of players that are 30 or above. And Patty Mills, Andre Drummond, James Johnson, Bruce Brown, Seth Curry being the one exception, I believe. But, now, Bruce Brown being the one exception. Seth Curry's 31. Oh, Quentin Grimes played for Houston, not West Virginia. That was my bad. I'm thinking of Miles McBride. I don't I don't know why. Um, but, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if Brooklyn – I mean, Patty Mills 0 for 5 to start. I mean, Kyle mentioned it before, ladies and gentlemen. Patty Mills can't be starting for you at point guard every night. It's not going to work out. It's yeah. going to take a little bit for uh, – now they're down 26-13. Yeah, so – We'll see what happens in this game. I mean, again, we know that basically none of these, well, a couple of the starters are out. Obviously, the two premier ones and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, but the Knicks are one and seven in their last eight games, yeah. which has been horrendous for them. And in fact, their one win was probably the most unlikely out of all of them. They beat the Golden State Warriors last week on Thursday, which makes absolutely no sense, but somehow they managed to do so. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense how they beat them. Uh, on the road, too. Yep. That was just ridiculous. Yeah. But they did. Game of the week. Tomorrow night, the Sixers will be at the Bucks. It's going to be an interesting game. I'm going to be a little biased, and I'm going to say Milwaukee's going to win that game. Giannis is back. Giannis put up a 50-piece last night. Love so, it. Similar nice. to game six of the NBA Finals, and What's the one thing Giannis needed to improve on that he's improved on? His shooting. He's a better shooter than he was a year or two ago. He doesn't embarrassly miss free throws often anymore. He's done a good job eliminating that crap from his game. You know, you can't really complain about Giannis in any department anymore. No, great players perfect their craft, and he's done so. He has 14 of 18 from the free throw line. You weren't seeing stuff like that last year in the no, playoffs. No, you were not. No. Bucks really earned it last year. A lot of people said, well. <laughs> Got to throw that in. Oh, I love this comment. Yeah, Le- <laughs> makes LeBron look like Richard Jefferson. <laughs> 
So what is Giannis? The Vince Carter to his Richard Jefferson? Is, is that the reference we're going to make there? I don't know. He's referring to Brooklyn, but I believe Richard Jefferson was a Hawk at one point. He's, that's probably why he's throwing that in there. Hawks suck ass, but at least they got boat. At least they boat raced the Knickerbockers last year. Uh, you got a former Nick Danilo Gallinari on that team. Um, Don't forget Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox now a Hawk. Trey Young, Clint Capella. I know DeAndre Hunter got hurt in the playoffs for them. John Collins. Kevin Herter could shoot. Bogdanovich. The trade that could have happened. Hey, who knows if it would have uh, worked? Who knows? Instead of Bogdanovich, we got Grayson Allen. Love it. I haven't heard that name in years. You haven't heard that name in weeks. Grayson Allen. He looks a lot like Doug, James. Oh, all right. A lot like Doug. Let's talk about the NBA All-Star break because that's heating up. I believe it starts this weekend. Friday, the All-Star break begins. All events will take place in Cleveland, Ohio. Obviously, LeBron James' old stomping grounds, and Team LeBron will be going up against Team Durant, even though KD will not play in this game. Jared Allen will replace James Harden on Team LeBron. Let's go over Team LeBron's starters. It's Giannis, Curry, DeRozan, Jokic, and, of course, LeBron himself. Now, the reserves for his team will be Jimmy Butler, Luka Doncic, Darius Garland, James, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, and Fred Van Vliet. Team Durant starters, Joel Embiid, Ja Morant, Jason Tatum, Andrew Wiggins, and Trey Young, with the reserves being LaMelo Ball, Devin Booker, Rudy Gobert, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, Jamal Murray, and Carl Anthony Towns. Clear edge here to Team LeBron. Yeah, I was just going to say, LeBron's team, is, LeBron's team is filthy. Yeah. It's, that is an unbelievable unit. Well, granted, I mean, Kevin Durant's team had, had a lot of replacements. So I know LaMelo was a uh, – just got added, and same thing with DeJounte Murray. He just got added. Those weren't two original – uh, guys that got elected to the All Star Game, but still, I mean, you got a unit with Tabar, Steph, Giannis, Jokic, Luca, Jimmy, Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell. DeRozan's been dropping like 30, 40 a game. He he's broken. I think I don't know if he's broken, but I think he's tied Michael Jordan's all time Chicago Bulls record. He God. he's had like thirty five plus points per game the last six or seven games in a row. He's not unbelievable. He's listen. He's finally. He had so many great years in Toronto, kind of cooled off a little bit with the Spurs and found himself a home in Chicago with some great players. Absolutely. Um, I don't like how Wiggins is starting over Booker. I'll be yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. It's, it's, I mean, listen, he's had a good season, don't get me wrong, but if you could move – Booker to small forward, which you can. I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. It, it made no sense to me. But if you look at it and you break it down, Andrew Wiggins, again, are nothing to take away from this great season. It's, it's more so because of the amount of injuries that we've seen in the Western Conference that I think that he yeah. is a starter. Because more so often than not, you're, Western Conference, the first guy that comes to my mind that would immediately be the small forward or would immediately be the power forward is 
Paul George or or Kawhi Leonard if they were healthy. Right. But they're both mm-hmm. both they're both injured. And I say either or because LeBron James, as we know, can play the small forward or power forward position. He can move uh, around, and so I think that would be the case. But then after those two guys, and you break it down, Devin Booker's had a hell of a season as well. You knew he was an All Star, but I didn't think that Andrew Wiggins would be getting in over him. He's had some good numbers, don't get me wrong, but that's – I mean, everybody looked at the all-star starters lineup and you said to yourself, check, 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 Andrew Wiggins. What? Andrew Wiggins is an all-star – not just an all-star, but all-star starter. Crazy. Yeah, it's, that is a little crazy. That yeah. definitely is a little crazy. I, I don't know if I agree with that, but, I mean, to each their own, right? It's one of those things we're going to look back 10 years from now and say, what? Andrew Wiggins was an all-star starter. Unbelievable. But there's a lot more good stuff here to talk about here tonight on Review and Preview, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, The Celebrity Game will feature – Ruffles Celebrity Game, the the potato chip brand, will feature stars like Machine Gun Kelly. (laughs) My little brother is obsessed with Machine Gun Kelly. Everything is about Machine Gun Kelly. Miles Garrett will be playing in this game. Hopefully he doesn't uh, throw stuff at anybody. I know <laughs> it's been a while since he's done that. So That doesn't go against their contract? Like if that, he gets hurt on the field? Uh, oh, in an NBA. In NBA and he's a football player? That's an interesting question. I don't think so. That's actually a good point there by James. I didn't really think much into that. Um I don't know how you can get hurt in a celebrity game, though, to be It'll fair. be weird We're, not seeing Kevin Hart play in this game, though. <laughs> he won't be on the yeah, sidelines yelling? That's going that's, to – that's so that's, that's a different one. I, I love seeing Kevin Hart in the All-Star game, in the celebrity <laughs> All-Star game. It's so funny. He made the game just so entertaining about to this. watch. Tom plays Machine Gun Kelly on the off-court at full blast. Um, <laughs> I do not. I probably wouldn't know who Machine Gun Kelly is, Noah, if it wasn't for my little brother. If you heard the music that I listened to, your ears would probably bleed. Um, again, I don't, I don't know what your taste of music is, but um, I'm old. I'm old. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Way. I'm a big fan of his music. I, I love Welcome to My Downfall. I think that's the name of the album. Yes. Good album. Um, James, James and I have, I, I don't know about you, Kyle, but I know James and I have very similar tastes of music. Yes, we do. We, we, we listen to the same shit in the car. <laughs> that <laughs> and we I do. remember this because we used to go out for lunch and there's like ACDC in the background. There's um, a lot of, I forget. What was that? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. A lot of, uh, not Bob Marley, but like I don't know, it's just a lot of like old eighties music. Yeah, reggae music is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. More, more like rock. Rock. Like, oh, you said Bob Marley, so I was like, that's reggae music. Well, <laughs> nothing against Bob Marley, but I, I mean, I'm not going to go down that. Tom, seventies and eighties was the best era of music. No, it was. It was. Um, like I'm not going to complain about that. Uh, the music today, I don't really listen to that much, but I have modernized my taste a little bit. I do have some new songs on uh, the iPhone here. So, so. 
<laughs> some uh, news. Some news. Oh, some. I messed that up. Tickets to my downfall. Not welcome to my downfall. But oh. I'm a big fan of yeah. Zell. Big fan. Yeah. I feel like we've listened to Rolling Stones before, James. I, we probably have. It's probably Paint it, come on. Painted Black. Yeah. That <laughs> came on once or twice. Um, Our trip right. to Mo's. Yes. Welcome to Mo's. Welcome to Mo's. The Clorox Rising Stars Challenge or game. Ooh. 12 rookies, 12 sophomores, four G League players were drafted onto four teams to compete in three games. This is a new format this year, ladies and gentlemen. Jumping Jack Flash and a That's a good one, Hank. That's a good one. Um, so we got Team Barry, Team Isaiah. Team Peyton and Team Worthy. Team Barry features Cade Cunningham, Dyson Daniels of the G League, uh, Evan Mobley, Isaac Okoro, Alperin Sengen, Jashawn Tate, and Franz Ogner. Team Isaiah features Precious Achua, Desmond Bain, Shadiq Bay, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Jaden Hardy, and Isaiah Stewart. Team Peyton features LaMelo Ball, Scotty Barnes, Io DeSugmu, Chris Duarte, Scotty Henderson, Scoot Henderson, that is. Jaden McDaniels and Davion Mitchell. Team Worthy features Cole Anthony, Marjan Bochamp, Josh Giddy, Jalen Green, Herbert Jones, Tyrese Maxey, and Jalen Suggs. Team Peyton won that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lamelo and Io. Mm-hmm. You got Scotty on there, too. Scotty, yeah. Scotty Barnes is a nice young player. Davion Mitchell, too, is a nice. Is Duarte the G League guy for them, or is it Henderson? No, nah, Duarte is, is on the Pacers. He's playing. But, it's got to uh, be Scoot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Scoot. I think it's Scoot. I don't like what they did with the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. What do you think about that with the three teams? I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I don't – didn't they just used to have – for the Taco Bell Skill Challenge, they used to have just individual players that they chose and they yeah. used to compete in, like, competitions. I kind of like yeah. that the way it was. I don't I don't know how I feel about teams, but – I guess we'll see how it unfolds. Is it going to be like a tag team type thing, or they're going to be competing together or something? I don't. I don't they know. They are. It's going to be the hometown team: three players from the Cleveland Cavaliers, three rookies, and the Antetokounmpo bros, Giannis, <laughs> Thanasis, and Alex of the G League. Uh, I like the, the Antetokounmpo bros. I like the individuals so much more. Dribble the yeah. ball up the court and in between, yeah. you know, cones or whatever you call it, pass through the net, dribble back, shoot a three. I like that better. Or is it a layup then shoot a three? I like that better. Oh, wait. Josh Giddy is on the Cavs team. I, I don't know why. That, that must have been a typo. But I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. And then the rookies team features Scotty Barnes, Kate Cunningham, and Josh Giddy. Yeah, I think I messed that up. I'm interested to check that out now. Uh, we're going to have to check it out. Um, Do we get free Taco Bell or something? <laughs> I wish. Uh, let's see what we got. The schedule. Do-do-do. Events. What is it? Skills challenge? Taco Bell? Taco Bell, Taco Bell skills challenge. challenge. Uh, Evan Mobley is the third name for the Cavs. So, yep. Jared Allen. Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. So, not bad. Not bad. No. Um, 
Could be interesting though. Noah, we'll get to MLB a little bit later. I see his comments there, but uh, Rob Manfred makes Roger Goodell look like Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> oh my god! I did see this, and that's why we're probably not having a season until at least June. At this point, this is pathetic. This is embarrassing for this to happen to one of the big four sports. This is worse than the 2004 NHL lockout, in my opinion, and that was bad. Yeah, they only played how many bad. games that season? That was like a 50-game season or something they like that? None. Game. Yeah, oh, they didn't play they, at all. They had two lockouts, right? Uh, I might be thinking, oh, yeah, I no. think they had a lockout the season the Blackhawks won the championship in the early 2010s, I think. That was another one where they only played, I think, 60 games. 2011, I think. Something no. like that. That's when the NFL had a lockout. That 48 four, games in 2012. That, that's what it was. It was. I, I know it was around the time the Giants won 46, so mm-hmm. that was probably it. But uh, the Mountain Dew three-point contest features C.J. McCollum of the Pelicans, Trey Young of the Hawks, Zach Levine of the Bulls, Desmond Bain of the Grizzlies, Carl Anthony Towns of the T-Wolves, Fred Van Vliet, believe he's still on the Raptors, right? Yeah. Um, and then Luke Kennard of the Clippers, Patty Mills of the Nets. Write me in for Fred Van Vliet. That's what I was thinking too. I don't I don't really like that three three point contest, that that roster right there. I don't like Towns. I don't like Bain. I, I think it comes down to either Levine or Fred Van Vliet. That's my personal opinion. I hope Trey wins. He's the only thing that makes Hawks fans not want to jump in front of a bus. Interesting. No, you just made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Relax there. <laughs> yeah. You just had your Georgia Bulldogs win the national championship. You just had Matthew Stafford win a Super Bowl. Chill out a little bit, man. And the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series. And the Atlanta Braves win the World Series. It's been a good year for you. It's Is been a good year. Nice? It's been the best year, maybe, yeah. maybe for you and your sports fandom. AT&T Slam Dunk Contest. Cole Anthony, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Obi Toppin, and Jalen Green. Uh, I'm going to go with Toppin here. I'm going to be the homer. I'm going to take Toppin. I like Jalen Green in this. I, I, not, nothing against Toscano-Anderson, but if they could have gotten Anthony Edwards to say yes to that in his place, this would have been a sick dunk contest. Oh, but yeah. I like, uh, I like Jalen Green in this. He's just electric. He flies. He is a very good athletic freak. Um, but, yeah, that's NBA All-Star Weekend. So it'll be interesting. NHL just finished theirs. They're, they're back. Uh, the Rangers had their first game back last night. After two weeks off, they defeated the Boston Bruins 2-1 to one in the penalty shootout. After, I think it was eight rounds of the shootout, Keandre Miller scores the game-winning goal, finally putting the Rangers on top of the Bruins. And what was even crazier, guys, about this game was that after overtime ended before the shootout, the last seconds of overtime, Igor collided with a Bruins player yep. and had to go to the locker room, cleared concussion protocol in like three or four minutes during the commercial break, came back and had the penalty shootout of his life. I mean, he was literally letting nothing go by him. In a shootout scenario, Tom, I don't know if you'd know this or not, the, the number just on this season alone. It feels like they don't lose shootouts very often. 
I don't think no. we've lost a single one. He's been unbelievable this year. And I think he's probably at the top of the Vesna list, at least at this point in time. He's just had such an incredible mm-hmm. season so far this season. And only what? This is his now, what, third year? Uh, yeah. Really only his, his second, second, first, full second full year. Yeah. Because yeah. he only played like 11 or so games into that first year. But absolutely incredible what he's done this year. It's just, ah. Oh. Must be nice. I feel like we're overperforming. Like, I don't even, like, I'm looking at this record right now and, like, I'm starting to realize how good we are. You're a very good really team. Good team. Yeah. The, the only, if you were to use the word overperforming, the only one on this team that is overperforming is Chris Kreider. Everybody else is kind of playing up to par. Like, Artemi Panarin's not really a, He's not a big goal scorer, but he's got his points, 52 points in 43 games. Mm-hmm. Mika Zibanejad is a big goal scorer. Doesn't have that many goals this year with 18, but he's logging in 49 points in 48 games. But Chris Kreider, his career high in goals in a season was, I think, 27 or 28. Mm-hmm. He has 33. Yeah. And I think career point-wise, his highest season was in the 50s in points. So he had 47. So he's having the best season of his life right now, and they're only 48 games into the season. And Foxy, too. Fo- Foxy. Oh, yeah. He's insane. on pace to win another Norris. The addition of Revo, like, nobody touches that man. Um, he kind of replaced Brendan Lemieux last year when we traded him away. We lost a little physicality. We got that back with him. And, of course, the elephant in the room, Gerard Gallant. The addition of him as a head coach. Clear upgrade over Dave Quint. And don't get me wrong, I, I love what he's doing with Team USA right now. Over in Beijing, I love what he's doing with them. I know they, they beat Slovakia late last night, technically early this morning. Uh, Rangers are good, unlike the Fallers and the Islanders. We'll get to them in just a moment. Um, Salvatore Formica with the comment, how's it going, Sal? Uh, CK finally knows his spot on the ice in front of the net. Yeah. It took a little a while, point. but he found his spot. I mean, he's almost good for a goal a game, right? Like that's almost. his average right now. He's a well, no, not not a goal a not, game. He's almost quite, a point per game. Yes, I think he's above that right now, or at least tied with that. I think I said forty-eight games. I think he has forty-seven points or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which again is is just crazy to see the turnaround in his career. Just because just a year and a half ago, this was a guy that was lighting it up for two straight months. People were talking about the Rangers were talking about. You know, two first-round picks for Chris Kreider, and somehow they turn it into a six-year contract extension, which at least at the time I thought six and a half for Chris Kreider, who you know historically only shows up for like two months out of the year. This is hands down the best season of his career and really solidifies giving him that contract. But again, if if you were to use the words overperforming, I said this last year. A lot of things went wrong for you guys last year. I thought you guys were one of the sleepers in the Eastern Conference. This year, I think you guys should fall nothing short of the Eastern Conference Finals. You are such a dominant team. You have one of the best coaches in the league. You have, I think, the best goalie in the league. You have the best defenseman in the Here league. It comes. The only thing, the only thing oh, against I you guys know. is is youth and inexperience. I know that you guys have some playoff experience, but not as much as, as some would favor, uh, as opposed to, you know, you see teams like the Boston Bruins and you see teams like Pittsburgh, Washington, obviously, with Ovechkin, who never seems to slow down. Carolina, who has been dominant these last couple of years. Tampa Bay, who, Tampa Bay, who is 
unreal and doesn't even have Nikita Kucherov yet all season, basically, who's arguably their best player. Florida, who's looked really good, and Bob Brovsky's kind of resurged his career after what that first year was in Florida. But the Rangers, they have a lot of great pieces, and everything's clicking for them right now. The only thing against them is just youth and experience. Otherwise, again, I don't think that anybody would want to play them in the in the playoffs. I know I would. I said the same thing last year, but a lot went wrong for them to prevent them from making it. But now this year, they've had health on their side. They have had a lot of success, especially in the young players too. Uh, guys like Schneider have come up, and he's mm-hmm. been tremendous. Um, Zach Jones, I believe, as well. Truba's kind of finally playing up to that part of that contract. They finally got a tougher fourth line. Barkley Goudreau, 10 goals, 10 assists. Yeah, they got him. They got a solid all around unit. And we'll see. I will see what they do with the deadline, too, because that's coming up in uh, March. So they'll make some improvements. Sal says they'll only go as far as Igor will take them. Hopefully, Jerry doesn't do anything stupid at the trade deadline. Agreed. I think you guys could use another sentiment, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Because I think that after, you know, after Mika, it's a it's a fall, it's a drop off. Heedle's mm-hmm. nice, but I don't know if you can be dependent upon him in a playoff situation. I know they're tied to guys like a Pavelski potentially, who's been on you know uh, a championship caliber team when he was with the uh, well, not just the Sharks, but he was with the Stars. I think a year or two ago as well when they made mm-hmm. their championship run. Um, so if they could get a guy like him, that would be a tremendous upgrade in addition to the squad. But they're one of the best teams in the league and. They've probably been one of the more consistent teams in the league, too. Yeah. We we got to get to these comments from Noah. Crosby scored his 500th goal last night against Philadelphia. <laughs> Love it. Sidney Crosby. The Pittsburgh Penguins led by Sidney Crosby. I think Noah's a Penguins fan. I'm not sure. I think that might be his one non-Atlanta team. Well, wow. yeah, because the, uh, the, the Thrashers back in the day don't exist anymore. Slap me silly, Sydney. Yeah. Our buddy Dom's a Penguins fan, too. I don't think they're going to do much if they get into the playoffs. They probably will, but this Crosby era is coming to an end soon. I hate to say it. It's kind of like Big Ben. Like, you're average to above average every year, but once you get in, you don't do anything. And the perfect example was 2019 against the Islanders just getting swept in the first round. I mean, that was embarrassing. I thought the Penguins would at least take two games, if not three, in that series, and they didn't. They didn't take a single one. Quiet the blasphemy. I apologize. I mean, I I work the Islanders up a lot. Um, you know, I, I I make them out to be a much better team than they are, um, because I do think there is a lot of potential there with this New York Islanders team, which we're going to talk about now. Um, and by the way, the Rangers will be hosting the Red Wings tomorrow night at seven. But anyway, the Islanders are seventeen twenty and six, and you know. Got beat up a little bit by Buffalo last night. Olafson had two goals for the Sabres. He got the Bruins tomorrow night. It's not looking too hot, but, guys, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. You still have Anders Lee. You have Matt Barzell. The the Islanders are not done yet. No, they're done. They're, they're, done. Just they're yeah. done. They're done. They're done. They've, uh, it's, um. it's, it's pretty – it's really it's, – it's really bad right now. I mean, it's – when you've it's lost disgusting. four, of, when you've lost four of your last five, when you get shut out by Seattle, who's an expansion team, when 
you're making a game as tight as it is against the Buffalo Sabres that they were leading for a majority of this game. They tied up 3-3 with a Palmieri goal, and then they just completely broke away in the final five minutes of the game. I mean, there was two empty netters, but still 6-3 loss to the Buffalo Sabres is, is not good. And even to the Edmonton Oilers the other night, that was the first game that they played after firing their head coach and David Tippett. And, and you get – they were out shooting them too for the majority of the game, and they still couldn't capitalize on anything. They were making – Mike Smith looked like a, a Vesna caliber goalie when he's one of the older goalies in the league who really is not that great and has only played a couple games this year too. Um, but they have not looked good. Uh, their, their biggest problem has been the problem that everybody's seen with their own two eyes the last couple years is that if the goaltender isn't playing up to Vesna caliber level, they're not going to win the game. And I, and I love what Sorokin has done and Varlamov has been hurt this year. And I don't fully blame Sorokin because I think he's been given the raw end of the deal a little bit as well. But the pro one of the bigger problems with the Islanders, like I alluded to uh, that they had in the past couple of years, but it didn't seem to matter was that even though they were getting outshot almost every single game, they were capitalizing on the shots that they had. They're not doing it this year. They're not, they're not scoring at all. In fact, I think they have one of the worst uh, goal-per-game averages uh, for an offense in the NHL right now at this point in time. And that's pretty terrible considering, you know, all, all the chips were put in. You, know, you, you run it back with this team. You made some additions. You brought back Palmieri, who's been hurt for pretty much the entirety of the year. You, Anders Lee comes back from the torn ACL. Brock Nelson is there. And listen, don't get me wrong, they've been through the mill with injuries and COVID stints. In fact, probably some of the most in the entire NHL, but they have had no consistency. And the fact that they can't score is what's really hurting them. If their goaltender gives up more than three goals in a game, they're probably not winning that game, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that's just been the storyline all season. This team also, the I haven't watched much, but... It, everybody's still riding on Barzell. I don't know, man. If he can't put this team and pick this team up, I, I don't know. It, they, everybody's like, oh, he's he's uh, he's our guy, you know, which is fine. Andrews leaves back. You know, the, them two work together. But Barzell, I, has he really done much this year? I think he's leading the team in points with, with 31. What people forget about Barzell is, is this. <laughs> is that, yes, he's a star, but he's not a goal scorer. So you can't yeah. bank on him to score goals for you. The guys that are supposed to be doing that are an honors Lee. When they traded for a J.G. Pajot, that was supposed to be the mm-hmm. guy. He has six goals all year round, and he's played a majority of the games. Kyle Palmieri, the same. Three goals in 30 games. These guys have just not been showing up. Brock Nelson has, has been okay this year, 15 goals, but only eight assists, 23 points in 34 games. They don't have the dominant goal scorer in which they need defensively. They're in a good position. Their defense is still strong mm-hmm. goalie wise. You know, even though Sorokin has given up some, you know, has given up a, a multitude of goals, he's getting no support from the offense. Yeah. And that's been the storyline all year round. Well, I, I hate to say it, but Tom, before I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, you're good. Um, they should have never left the barn. I love the new stadium. I love the I yep. love the space. Like I love it. It's a beautiful yes. arena. It's beautiful. But I'm sorry. 
they yes, they somewhat try to build it for the Islanders, but man, I think that was the worst decision they've made for this team, especially right now. Yeah, young guys coming off of a Stanley Cup run and not having a stadium until a month and a half into the season. That's the problem. Do you think that has played a part into the Islanders' record this year? Because I see people like um, Sal and Noah in the comments section are saying, you know, like, for example, Noah's comment, they're way worse than I thought they'd be, had them at third in the Metro. And Sal is even saying they need a partial rebuild, which I think he's he's somewhat correct in that statement. Um, Yeah, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I just don't think. But has the stadium played a part? As the stadium, I'd only say it had a part in the fact that they had to start the season on a 13-game road trip, which That's, didn't favor yeah. their way. I yeah. mean, they've started, they've started off to they, – they've had a bad start since game number one. No, they, they've never had this, this sort of consistency, and they never really had the time to gain consistency because since game one, they've been at a disadvantage, hence the 13-game yeah. road, road trip. Well, I think that's why it's spiraled. Yeah, all these, all these COVID – stints all these injury stints and then the nhl shut down for a little bit of time and the islanders i think have played the least amount of games this year they have the most games in hand at this point in time so everything is just not going their way this season especially for a team that was you know just in the eastern conference not only last year but the year before that as well the eastern conference finals um i don't think anybody could could have predicted what is going on with this team this year probably one of the biggest shockers in the entire nhl is this islander season so far what do you think of Noah's comment here? Part of me feels the Islanders need near elite goaltending for their system to work. Outshot badly consistently. The trap looks great when you have Marty Brodor in that. Varlamov or Sorokin ain't that level. I don't agree, but I don't disagree. I mean, because the Islanders have had a, especially the last couple of years, is that they've had an influx of 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 pretty good to extremely good goaltending performances when you start off with Grice once he took over for Halak very very good in fact led the Islanders to the second round for the first time in 20 something years mm-hmm. then you bring in Robin Leonard and even though it was only a one year stint he finished what second or third in the Vesna competition yeah and then Varlamov the same the last couple of years he's been a a Vesna candidate goalie for the last couple of years as well but again him as well we talk about the season starting off the way it started he was hurt in the beginning of the season in fact i think he was supposed to play game one and during the pregame they pulled him out of net he got hurt because he got hurt and it's just never been the same for him since he's not looked up to that caliber player the biggest thing with me is that i agree with what Noah is saying about they getting out shot badly i've alluded to that in my answers how do you solve that i don't know because defensively if you look at defensive numbers they actually don't give up as many shots per game as you think they do, as opposed to the rest of the NHL. I think they're middle of the pack within the top 10, if you break it down. So they're not, that's not their problem. The problem is, is that they don't capitalize on the shots in which they have. Hence the fact, I think they're one of the bottom teams in the entire NHL in terms of goals per game. That's the problem. Otherwise we wouldn't be talking about them in this light at this point in time, if they would capitalize on those shots in which they have. Um, but, yeah, I, there definitely could be some changes happening because of the, the fact of the matter is that we're coming up on an NHL trade deadline. And if I'm being quite honest, I don't think that Lou Lamarillo is going to blow this up as well. And I don't know how you slightly retool the roster either 
because of the contracts in which some of these players mm-hmm. have. You know, Palmieri's on a four-year, $20 million per year. Who's taking that five? Who's taking $15 million of Kyle Palmieri, Palmieri right now? Nobody. Who's taking Josh Bailey's contract? Nobody. Uh, the defense is good, but it's uh, a lump sum of some older players between Zendaya Chara, Andy Green. So who's taking those guys? The only players I see even potentially being moved is probably a Semyon Varlamov just to be some backup goaltending on a championship caliber team, mm-hmm. uh, an Anthony Bovillier just for a fresh face. And that's probably about it. But again, I don't see Lou Lamarillo as the guy that's trading away all these pieces, especially based on the fact that look at where the Islanders were just a season ago, not even a season ago, just right. less than a year ago. Yeah. Uh, Noah was saying Pens will take Barzal for a fifth-round conditional pick. <laughs> Not going to happen, but uh, no. Nassau dominates that new crap. Problem with the Isles is the defense and age. I do agree. Yeah, I don't. Islanders. I don't it's, it's not the defense. They are partially yes. They are no. They're they're tenth ranked in the NHL right now in terms of goals given up per game, which is which is great. They rank fourteenth in shots allowed, which is again middle of the pack, and they're. 11th in terms of penalty kill they kill the 82 percent penalty kill it's just that they can't score they are ranked 29th in terms of goals per game that is not how you win they're 28th in shots per game but kyle they 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 gave up five to calgary the other night they gave up six to buffalo how is the problem not the defense I'm not saying the whole season. Well, the, I'm the, saying right the six now. Goals, the, the last two goals were empty net goals. And I'm not saying that the defense isn't a problem, but when you break it, if the offense was able to put up more than two goals a night, we wouldn't be talking about the defense in the light in which we're talking about right now. But what Islander yeah. fans feared and what NHL fans were talking about is that, well, you know, they're capitalizing on these shots, but they're not getting many off. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen when they don't start capitalizing on them? Well, this is what's happening. And we even well, saw right. it last year, too. Remember Game 7? The Islanders lost. Oh, I remember one, Game 7. In a, in a one nothing <laughs> loss, and that one goal they gave up was a shorthanded. They couldn't score. Mm-hmm. They couldn't score. Top four in the Metro is very strong. I mean, I think the Rangers are sitting at third right now. No, I They're think like you're right, Tim. Two points back of first. So, yeah. Only, goes to show. Their only hope was the wild card, but... Yeah, Unfortunately, they like are. That. Even though they have four games in hand against Boston, they are they are eighteen points behind Boston right now. So they are not catching up. No, no, not at all. But we're going to move on to our last sport of the evening. When we covered the Big Four tonight, crazy! Mm-hmm. It's the first time we've covered the Big Four in a while on one show. But let's talk some baseball, or should we? MLB in the midst of this, you know, MLB players union, this and that, Manfred, the lockout, the other bull crap I'm not going to get into. They approve of the universal DH for the 2022 season. Love it. What 2022 season? You mean 2023? Well, we don't know. And it's looking like maybe a June start right now. I mean, I hate to speculate, but. I think that's the earliest they could start at this point. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report at the beginning of this week. That's not happening now. So it's concerning. It is concerning. Do I like the universal DH as a National League guy 
I like it, but I'm not in love with it only because I miss watching Steve Trashel hit bombs against the Cincinnati Reds at City Field on a Tuesday night. You know, I miss <laughs> watching Jacob DeGrom swing the bat and actually get base hits. And I get it. You want to limit injuries. And I'm not saying the universal. I think there's a rule. Sorry, I think we blacked out there for a second. Are we back? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. I was down. You cut out a little bit. Okay. Yeah, we have contractors upstairs, so still going through some kinks here technically. But uh, I was talking about the universal age, and I, I think the issue is I know I think pitchers like Otani can still hit if they want, or like any pitcher who's pitching – can can't they choose if they want to be like the universal DH something like that like the manager I guess you put them in the lineup as the universal DH I guess you could, could but it's probably the, not encouraged with the exception of Otani though well Otani also plays in the in the AL but with the exception of Otani what pitcher are you looking at in the NL and, and saying to yourself well I mean now especially if anything this this changes the whole game for NL teams you can now. Oh. Bring in a free agent, a specialist as a DH. Mm-hmm. You don't have to DH. I don't think any team in the NL is going to DH their pitcher. They're going to bring in specialists it's, to do that. It's huge for us because our pitchers hit better than our seven and eight hitters. So <laughs> you're not wrong. I'm not kidding. No, I know that. Degrom, Syndergaard. I know Syndergaard's gone, but you know he's a pretty good hitter. Made good contact. So. I hate I the Mets have now have four DHs. Who are the four? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I think that Dom Smith. Dom Smith. Well, yeah, that listen, that now solves your guy's problem, right? At first base in the outfield. You don't have to worry about that issue of Dominic Smith not playing in the lineup, even though his batting average tells you you should have him in there. And he he's a great player, but I hate the argument of putting him at first over Pete. I, I just did not like that argument. I guess you can make Alonzo. DH, if you want to give him an off day and put Dom at first, that's fine. That's fine. Dom Smith has been rumored to be a trade candidate for the past three years, and it's never happened. So you might as well just keep him at this point. But that's only been the case because of the fact that this new rule hasn't been a thing. If, if we're talking about a DH being a – well, the DH was a thing in the in the COVID season, right, in the 60-game season? It was. So yeah. they didn't have you that know. problem. But they talked about it coming into the new year. Are they going to keep that DH rule? And they didn't. And that's where the Dom Smith stuff started to gain some traction. And it gained yeah. even more traction because in that 2020 season, Pete Alonso was – I don't think he – was that the season that he broke Judge's home run record? Or was that, that – was I think that was season. the season he broke the home run record. 2019. But, 2019. But that was the season, Pete Alonso in 2020, that he didn't really play that well at the first base position. So there was a legitimate argument for Dom Smith to be in there. But now – that he's kind of proven himself because he had a tremendous year this past year. You don't have to worry about trading an asset in Dom Smith, which is a huge advantage. Yeah. I think so. And it proved how bad Lindor sucks. I mean, they brought him in because he's a Golden Glove player as well. Pete Alonso bailed him out several times this year from countless errors. I'll tell you, yeah, James. But- I've watched too many head scratching throws from Francisco Lindor. I hate that he's on our team. Yeah, uh, you know I, what? I, I don't want him here wow. for the next 10 years. This might be the biggest <coughs> comment I think you've ever had. What is it? Hold it up. It's going to Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. hold on. Should I disappear? I'll, I'll go. 
Tom, I used to think just like you. I was always a, if you play defense, you have to bat guy. And I used to think that DH benefited players who are crap defensively. Then I saw it in 2020 and changed my mind. Any better than 99% of pitchers taking three pitches and striking out. The universal DH will help extend the careers of many players who can't both bat and field anymore, help prevent injuries, and open up free agent opportunities for more batters and more at-bats overall for position players. Yeah. That's a good point. It's only gonna it's only gonna help you guys. It's only gonna help teams furthermore succeed, especially with teams, you know, because when you break it down, at least what I what I've seen from the past, and don't quote me on this, is that most of the teams that are leading the league in home runs come from the AL specifically because they've had the DH opportunity. Now it's kind of an even playing ground. Like JD Martinez, right? He, yeah. You you would never see him on an NL team. Yeah. Now you could one day. Now, I'm not saying he'll ever leave Boston. He probably won't. But a player like that, somebody you could look at and say, wow, it opens up a whole new opportunity for the National League. Oh, yeah. I think that is also, a good thing. You know, the days of Edwin Encarnacion with Toronto. You know, you see the situation with Judge and Stanton. You know, the DH positions. Yeah. Uh, it's only going to help you guys furthermore improve, especially teams that have some struggles hitting. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you it's also, also going to limit the no hitters. Yeah, I mean we'll see. After if you, if you, if you guys remember, there were like six no hitters in the first month of baseball, mm-hmm. and then I don't think there was another one for the rest of the year. And because the eight hitter won't be walked all the time anymore. Nope. You know, you have the DH. That's a whole other thing. The inning would be over. You have two outs. Oh, just walk the eight hitter. The inning's over, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're going up against like Otani or. Two or three other pitchers, you know. So, yeah, I don't hate it. I will get used to it. I like it, but I don't love it yet. I, I mean, don't it, love it. It opens the doors. You see why, for, right? Yeah, I mean, you're listen, used to something for so long, and mm-hmm. now it's changing. It is good change. It is good change, though. But this is, and again, I'm a I'm a fan of the Yankees. But I feel like yep. if, if you're a Met fan or any team in the NL, you should be you know, jumping for joy. I mean, it's fun to watch your pitchers hit, but at the end of the day, it's just another opportunity for them to, to potentially get hurt now that you don't have to have that worry anymore. And now you add the home run factor additionally into that. Now you could have a home run God on your team now as just a positional player as a DH just to come up to the bat four or five times a game. That's a huge, not advantage, but a huge upgrade from years prior. Door will be much better. I hope so, Sal. I'm pulling for him, but I don't know. We'll see. New contract has an adjustment period. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a big contract to live up to. He may play better, but will he play up to that contract? Probably never. Yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if I would have given him the contract before he played a single game for us, though. I think well, that was the mistake. Make sure to have a longer one later. Oh, awesome, though. <laughs> All right, come on, guys. End the show so I don't have to disappear again. I'm playing. Well, we only have about 13 minutes left. Braves ready to boat race the NL East in 2023. I got to re-sign Freddie Freeman first. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's a big, big one. one, Noah. That's a big one. That should I know a lot of guys hurt last year. Soroka was hurt. Lost Dean Anderson for a little bit right before the playoffs, but then he came back. It was really solid. 
They lost Ozuna the for the year too. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if Ozuna's ever coming back. No, he's he's probably not. But I'm he, just I'm just he, saying he's a moron. <laughs> he he is. I mean, literally Acuna injuring Jr. himself. Acuna Jr. tore his ACL. People forget last year, and he was yeah, having a stellar big. season too. The first half of the year, they relied a lot on guys like Swanson, Freeman, Darno, Darno. Mm-hmm. That was another one that got away. This is why we hate talking about baseball because our team's not good at it at the MLB level. That is, um, my team's good at it. You'd be quiet up there. (laughs) I think we have the nicer stadium. I agree. Who's debating that? I'm not, I'm not saying you could, you could have the greatest venue ever. I'm there for the product, not the hot dogs. Oh, hundred. We're there for the environment. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, when I saw Shillelagh Law over the summer at City Field, that was better than the game itself. The Metro playing the Dodgers that night were <laughs> held scoreless for seven innings. Decided decided to score four runs in the seventh inning when the people I'm with the game with are dying to leave. I'm like, no, we have to stay now because the Mets decided to be the Mets. Yeah. Two outs, load the bases, and then get a pop up or a strikeout. Right, usually how it goes. That's yeah, about Mets. Man, you, know, you, you tie you tie the game. Mets A team lucky to win eighty games. I say the Mets are lucky to win seventy five. They haven't proven anything to me yet. They lost Syndergaard. They lost Stroman. You got I mean, Scherzer. Had, I get it. Great, and if we don't see him play this season, that's what. Well, we don't know what Lindor is going to be. That, we we can't judge it off James. If you don't see the Mets play this season, you're not going to see any team play this season. You can't judge it like that. Yeah, but a year older. I look at it that. Well, way. that's true because he is what 37. So that means not buying this Mets team in 2022 just yet. The Mets. I'll say this with, with this 90 comment. plus games. The Mets should win. At least 92 games. Now, sure. we know that they always get hurt. And, and In what universe? In what universe? Look at their roster. And now you and now, now they'll be in search of a DH. We just listed off all those I options. So. I, I think that they're going to go get a DH, potentially. On paper, we can win 90 maybe, plus games. Maybe they'll be in yes, on a guy on like paper, That's James. on paper, I know. We've read this book too <laughs> often. Maybe Everyone builds us up. And we fall flat. That's what happens. We're on pace to win 90 games until June comes along. And we win 72. Maybe this will drive them potentially to trade for a Matt. Maybe this will potentially drive them to trade for a guy in Matt Chapman, now knowing that they have the DH so they could stick him at third, which has been Mm -hmm. an underlying issue the last couple years. And now they can put all those other guys at a DH position. If the Mets do what they're supposed to do in the (laughs) Uh offseason, put all the pieces together. Okay. The optimistic side of me says the Mets will win between 85 and 90 games. That's a lot coming from me. That is a lot coming from you, Tom. How many games did they win this year? 77 or something like that? Yeah, that sounds about right. It was, a, it, was, sure. it was a very bad year. I predicted them to win like 92, 95 games, and they totally won 77. Marlins made some savvy moves that they did. I love that Brian Anderson they got down there. He's a good young talent. 
the Mets will add another starter in the top bullpen arm. No I doubt. hope so. I hope so. Uh, you know, the, the, the Mets did make some great moves before the lockout officially began, Sal. So let's hope they can build on that momentum and put some pieces together. But our last topic of the evening, speaking of Mets, let's talk about a Met killer for years. Ryan Zimmerman retires from Major League Baseball after 16 seasons with the Washington Nationals. He was drafted, I believe, fourth overall in 2005. He was the first ever Washington Nationals pick is finally hanging up his cleats. A guy who stayed for multiple 100 loss seasons. And to see him win a Super Bowl. uh, World Series. To see him win a World Series in 2019 was an awesome moment for Nationals fans. And I think this was great for him to, you know, play as long as he did. Obviously, we know the big thing with Zimmerman's career was that he had to uh, move from third base to first base, right? After he had, I believe he had that shoulder surgery and he wasn't throwing as well because he used to be a great defensive juggernaut at third base. And then after 2013, he had to move over to first base and he made a nice career out of that. He won a gold glove at first base. So happy retirement, Ryan Zimmerman. Had a very Um, nice career with the Washington Nationals. Had close to 300 career home runs, over a thousand RBIs. Won a World Series with the team that drafted him in the most, uh, what is it called, uh, nostalgic, uh, right ways, I guess you'd say. Winning with the team yeah. that drafted him, sticking through the bad times, and finally getting a ring. Just, just kind of like Freddie Freeman, right? All those bad years in Atlanta, and finally winning a ring. It's nice, nice. Hundred percent. I mean. I didn't want to see the Nationals win that ring, but Zimmerman deserved it. He went through a lot of crap in his early years. James, you remember, I mean, we took two players from the Nationals in the late 2000s, Ryan Church and Brian Schneider, and they were relieved to just be off the Nationals. They went from the worst team in the division to the second worst team in the division. Yeah. Zimmerman put all all he went all in on that Washington's team, on Washington. Yeah. It he was probably one of the only Nat players I liked. I agree. He you know, wasn't he, a guy you could really hate too much, you know. He wasn't a Bryce Harper where it's like yeah. it's annoying. Ryan Zimmerman had just a pose to him. And when he made that transition over to first, I think it only, as you said, it helped him. But I think it beca- I think that was also a turning point for not his career, but yeah. the team's career where they had a lock-in first baseman in him mm-hmm. yeah so. i agree uh looking at his career stats 16 seasons 1799 games so he just missed 1800 known as mr national 284 career home runs over a thousand ribbies 277 career average i do think he falls short of hall of fame status i don't think he gets it oh yeah um, he, yeah. he's, he's not really close. If no, only, only a two-time All-Star. He's not close. Yeah, no. not close. Um, 36 homers, 108 RBIs in 2017, winning a gold glove at first base, 11 career walk-off home runs. And, yeah, that's pretty much the career of Ryan Zimmerman right there. You know, he's – I'll miss playing against him. You know, it's – a again, James, this is a part of our childhood that mm-hmm. is being taken away from the game, you know? Yeah. 
it's been a lot lately. You know, the NFL, we lost Big Ben. We lost the biggest name in Tom Brady for now. I mean, we yeah. still don't know. He could be done for good. We don't know. But yeah, it sucks. It sucks. Like, who's really left? Who's uh, left? In terms of what? All sports? I mean, Chara doesn't – I mean, but, like, as far as, like, baseball is concerned – Who's left that we know from like such? I mean, Yadier Molina, who is going to be his last season next year? Uh, uh, Trout. Trout's not old. Trout. Trout's, Trout was drafted in 2011. I wouldn't yeah, consider him. And, uh, Scherzer. Scherzer's. That that's true. And I don't. Yeah. Is Verlander retired or no? I, no, not yet. Noah says. Uh, I think. I think Pujols? Miggy and Pujols are both retired. Noah, I think they're both. I think they're both done. I don't know. I know Pujols Miguel definitely Cabrera is. retired, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think both of them yeah. are retired. Uh, I'm actually looking this up right now because I'm curious myself. Kershaw? Or was he later in? Kershaw, later. yeah, you could say Kershaw. According to this, Cabrera is still on the Tigers roster. When was that updated last? I don't know. He's still in the MLB, according to this. Um, I could have sworn. No, I could have sworn the Tigers had a ceremony for him. I, I think he's so done. Too. He might just be on the roster because of new updates not being made because technically free agency never happened. But I could have sworn that he retired. Same thing with Pujols. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Pujols' season, last season was last year. That's what I thought as well, but... If those two retired, you should know for sure. It would be everywhere. We have to figure this out now. Who holds is a free agent? He didn't retire. Oh, so if he doesn't get picked up, most likely he's retired. Correct. Yeah, but he's not. He's not going to get picked up, though. No. But that's what I mean. Yeah, he'll sign a one-day contract with what with his team and right. Call it and it's probably what Tom Brady's going to do with New England. You know. I'd imagine, but Ryan Zimmerman has retired from baseball. Nationals, you know, moving in a younger direction. You know, they let Scherzer go to the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Now he's on the Mets. And, you know, the game's getting younger. So it's good to see, but it's also sad to see these players we once watched when we were young retire and, you know, leave the game that they love. So, but James and Kyle, this has been an outstanding show tonight. A lot of engagement from the comment section. A lot of good topics of discussion. Went over all four big four sports. And, yeah, football's over. So now, you know, the primary hot topics are going to be basketball and hockey. So I know I'm excited. I know I'm going to be taking a little break from the live shows, but I'll still be helping out behind the scenes and everything. Kyle will be the primary host for most, if not all weeks. Um but yeah, guys, any final thoughts? Just real quick, great show overall. I just wanted to pull up this comment real quick to just add on to this. I don't know if you guys heard about it. Nat's going through a massive rebuild. What a shame. Did you guys see that Juan Soto apparently turned down a 13-year, $350 million contract right before the lockout happened from the Nationals? That I didn't see. I That's didn't interesting. See. Yeah, so it's not looking good. Money. Not looking good for the Nats. But overall, guys... 
great show as always. Pleasure being on with two of you every Wednesday night. Same here. Absolutely. Well, on behalf of James Montefusco, Kyle Russo, I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long. You've been watching Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. Have a good night, everybody.